if I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ. This is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the prince of peace. Get up on your feet, put your hands together, and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God has been good.
If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a minute. There's also an outline on the back side of your bulletin if you want to follow along. As you're turning there, I want to just really reiterate this friend's weekend next weekend uh, to invite someone that you've invested in relationally. If you're a regular attender at Life Church, we encourage you. Uh, matter of fact, it's even on the back side of your communication card just to invite someone. Whether they come or they don't, that's up to them, but to invite someone. And to be here. I'm going to be here next weekend. It's going to be a great service. We're going to have a great time. I promise you that, that you're going to enjoy it uh, and uh, really just uh, present the gospel in a cool way. Um, I'm actually here in about three hours boarding a flight to Kenya, Africa. I'll be back next Saturday afternoon at 3.30 in order to shower, shave, and be here for the 5.30 service. So, so if I can be here from Kenya, you can be here from your neighborhood. Is that cool? You can't one-up that one. I'm just going to say right now, you can't do it. So I'm just saying to you, grab these, communicate these little, these little invite cards, invite someone, be here, be a part of it. And, uh, and we, it's going to be a really fun, fun, fun time, a great time to, to do that. This weekend, we're continuing on in our series on the Prisoner's Blog. And we call it the Prisoner's Blog because it's a prison epistle. Epistle was a letter if, in the first century. It would probably would have been a blog if it was done today. By the Apostle Paul, as he's writing uh, in Rome, he's in chains, awaiting trial before Caesar because of his faith. And we're just walking through this entire book of Colossians that was written to the church in Colossae. And, uh, and the basic theme of this, of this book is really what we're talking about today, and that's the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And that's the title of our talk today, that he is. Now these verses 15 through 23, uh, some scholars say this was actually was a hymn or a psalm of the first century church. I'm not going to try to rap it or sing it for you, but, but you, you can maybe do it on your own. But, but, but it's, it's a pretty interesting thing. And, and it deals with the supremacy of Jesus Christ, which was a real issue in the church of Colossae. They were really trying to... Uh, Jesus was kind of an add-on. He was becoming just an extra. He was becoming something, you know, between Dr. Phil and Oprah. It was just kind of like Jesus was in the mix somewhere. He was a good man. He was a prophet. He was a rabbi. Maybe he was a son of God. Maybe there's more to it than that. And again, very much in the world that you and I live in, this pluralistic society that we live in, where they say there, get, there can't be just one way, and that's just too narrow-minded to say there's just one way to God. And, but yet, that's what Jesus said. He said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That article, the, before all those things, means he's one and only. And, and today, as Paul is talking, he's somewhat redundant in this, and that's, that's pretty intentional. That's also pretty common in Paul's writing, because he's trying to make a point. And the point is simply this. He is. He is. Not he was, not, not, he, will, not he will be, but he is. He, 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 it's not that he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, he was a healer, he was God, he was a prophet. He, no, 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 he is. He is. And, and, and the first blank in your notes, that this kind of sets all this up, is that he is all. And you're going to see the word all all throughout verses 15 through 23. It's very repetitive, especially in the NIV. And that word all in the original language means all. I know that's real deep for you, but those of you that are scholars, that word all means all. And the Greek translates it into the word that he is the totality. And basically that means he's the all in all. He is the, he is it. And it's a reference back to where Moses is going to before Pharaoh, the, the, the most powerful leader of the, of the world at that time. And God's told Pharaoh, I want you to go and take my children, the children of Israel, and I want you to exodus them out of the land of Egypt, and I'm going to bring you to the promised land. There's one problem with that. The, the government and the nation of Egypt stand between Israel, the, who are in bondage, and their freedom that God's given them. 
And Moses asked one simple question. He said, when I stand before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, who do I say sent me? He said, you tell him that I am. I, capital I, capital A, capital M. I am sent you. And that phrase simply means this. I am God is telling Moses, whatever you need me to be. You need to be, be a healer, I'm a healer. You need me to be a deliverer, I'm a deliverer. You need me to be a provider, I'm a provider. You need me to be peace, you need me to be strength, you need to be, be quiet. Whatever you need of me to be, that's what I can be. I will rise to any occasion. And the subsequent weeks following after that first statement that Moses gives to Pharaoh, God proves himself over and over and over till finally he says, let the people go, let them out of here. And even through the crossing of the Red Sea, that they cross three million Jews on dry ground, and then the, and then the Egyptian government comes in behind them, And the Bible says that the walls of the Red Sea fell in over the top of them and destroyed them. Why? Because when God says, I am, that's what he means. Paul is referencing that and he's reminding the, the church in Colossae that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, he is. Not he was, not he will be, but he is. He's his totality. He's whatever you need. And today, if you need a provider, Jesus will be your provider. If you need help, he can be your helper. If you need healing, he's your healer. If you need peace, he's your peacemaker. If you need love, that's what he is. If you need life, if you need hope, if you need a savior, wherever you are today, I want you to understand this, he is. Now, for those of you that have been in church for a long time, you're going to kind of go, I know this, I got this. Be careful. Because many times we give mental assent to this, like we get it cognitively, but we really don't live it out that way. Because we really don't think that he is over the grouchy person in the neighborhood. That he is, come on, I'm talking where you're living. That he is uh, your mean boss, he's over him and, or over her. And, and, and he, he is the one that can provide for your needs. Because some of you, you're walking in and there's a lot of things that are ro rotating on the rotisserie of your spirit. You've got bills you've got to pay. There, there's, there's unresolved conflict. There's, there's messed up relationships. There's all types of things that you walked in. You, you walked in with some real deal issues. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, understand that whatever the issue is you're facing, he is. He is the answer. He is all. He's a totality of whatever you need. Now let's begin reading in verse number 15. In verse 15, it says this, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He, capital H, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I want you to understand that Paul says he is God. That Jesus Christ was not just a man. Jesus Christ was not just a teacher. Jesus Christ was not just a prophet. Jesus Christ was not just a rabbi. Jesus Christ is God. He is God. And so what that means is this. Paul says here he's the firstborn. Now you have to understand this. Firstborn is not speaking to, to uh, him as a created being. Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, when God created the heavens and the earth, that God said, let us, plural pronoun, make man in our, plural pronoun, image. If it was just God the Father, he would say, let me make man in my own image. No, 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 no. We understand that before time began... That there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the three and one, the triune Godhead. That they are, it's God in three forms, and three forms is one, and, and that's a Trinity. And that Jesus Christ was before this world is, Jesus Christ will be when this world is over. That Jesus Christ has no beginning, he has no, no ending. He simply made a 33-year 
visit on this planet and presented himself in divinity wrapped in humanity and walked and lived a sinless life just like you and I, tempted and tried in every way just like you and I, yet without sin he navigated this life perfectly, something no one's ever been able to do. And then he took on death, hell, and the grave and the only one that's been able to be victorious. And so when Paul says he's the firstborn, it's not talking about him being a created being. It's talking about his order in the world that we live in. He's number one. It goes all the way back to to, to, to the great commandments, the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one. It's no, no surprise that commandment number one is number one, that I'll have no other gods before me. I will be one or I will be nothing. And all throughout Scripture, first have a very special place. The Bible says you to bring the, bring the first fruits. The problem with Cain and Abel at the very beginning when they bring their sacrifices before God, the first offering given to God. We're going to take an offering at the end of the service. They're the first offering ever, get, ever given, the problem was is that Abel brought his first fruit and Cain brought some of his fruit. God wants to be first or nothing at all. The Bible goes on throughout the Old Testament. It talks about the birth order, that there's a blessing with a firstborn child, that there's a, a blessing that, that God gives. That first are very important and, and that God demanded first when it came to offerings on the sacrifices of, 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 of lambs and bulls and goats, that first are very important. And when God gives his son, he didn't give us his second or his last or his leftover. He gave us his firstborn and his onlyborn son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. One is very important. And when Paul's speaking here, he's basically saying this, that Jesus Christ is is number one. He's supreme. There is none around him. There's none above him. All are those that are under him because he is God. Not only is he equal to God, but he is God. He reflects God. He reveals God. The Bible goes on to say, and it uses the word image, the Greek language, image, and it, and it, and it refers to he's an exact visual Im, Im, image of who God is. That's why he came into humanity. That's why we could see him and walk with him and talk with him. And we have this book called the Bible that we can see God in flesh. Image. It's kind of like this wedding ring. This wedding ring is not my marriage. This wedding ring just simply symbolizes that 15 years ago, Tammy said yes. And on the days that she says no, I go, I, 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 you said yes. And the moments where she goes, I, 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 you said yes. And I put it on and I wear it every day and it's a sign to me that she said yes. It's a sign to myself that I said yes. It's a sign that we're in a covenant relationship till death do us part. And she's reminded that she'll kill me and that's how we'll get out of this deal. And Right? Mm, don't shut me down when I'm preaching. Good. And so the reality is this is not my marriage. It's, an, it's a symbol. Jesus is more than a symbol. He's the image. He's God. Some people just say, well, he's a symbol of God. No, 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 no. He's more than that. He's God. He is the symbol and he is. He is God. Now, let's go on to verse 16. The Bible says not only is he God, let's look at verse 16, for by him all things are created. Things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authority, all things, say all things, things. were created by him and for him. There is, we could do a doctoral thesis on this verse. We, We don't have time to do that, but I want you to catch this. He is the creator. He is the creator. John chapter 1 verse 3 says that all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says that through Jesus Christ, God created the world. You see, everything on this planet, you, I, everything that exists, every power, every structure, every superstructure, every microstructure, every government, every every political system, economic system, every power, every every entity, everything owes existence to Jesus Christ. He is a ruler over all things. That word all in the original language means everything. We think, as Christians, sometimes that he's over all the good things. 
He's the good guy. He's, he's the Luke Skywalker. He, he, he's on the right side of the force. I mean, he, no, 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 no. He's over all things. That's why the demons in hell tremble at the very mention of his name. Because he has power and dominion over every evil force, over every principality, over every ruler, over everything Ephesians 6 says that would exalt itself before the name of the power of God. He is. Now that's pretty deep. Because you kind of go, whoa, 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 if he created all and it was made for all, then how could evil work for God? I don't know. And there's there's some theology to that I don't have time to go into. But the essence is that's why Paul says in Romans that all things work together for the good of those that serve him in Christ Jesus. That what the enemy would try to use for harm, God can turn around and use for your good. Because all things are under him. See, sometimes we want to leave Jesus here. The value of Jesus isn't on Sunday morning. The value of Jesus is on Monday morning when you're driving to work or on Tuesday afternoon when you're meeting with a client or Thursday afternoon when you're picking the kids up from soccer practice or Friday night when you're on a date night or Saturday morning when, when, when you're having an impromptu meeting because there's been an emergency meeting called at your office. That's where Jesus shows up because understand, he is over all things. Your boss, your work, the government, the political systems, everything in this world, they all have to bow their knee to him. And in their own pride and their own arrogance and their own hubris, when they refuse to do so, God brings them down every single time. Because he is. He's the creator of all things. He's the creator of everything. That's the reason why you and I as Christ followers, we don't have to fear. You don't have to fear the world. You don't have to fear rulers in the world. You don't have to fear powers in the world. You don't have to fear devil himself. Why? Because Jesus Christ is creator over all. All things. All things are there. And all things exist for him and by him and under him. He has the power. I got the power. Right? You know what I'm talking about? He is. He is the power. He is it. That's the reason why when you and I walk, we should walk with our our backs straight and and our chins high. And we should walk in confidence, not in ourselves, but in the God that we serve. Because he is God over all. I see people, oh, I lost my job. This guy is falling. And I get that. But really, come on. He is. He's over all things. And all things are created for him and by him. Don't fear. Get on a plane this afternoon, and my feet will touch down in Amsterdam and then again in Nairobi. And I have people go, oh, aren't you kind of scared in the world that we live in today? He is. He is. Look, Paul says it this way. For me to die, for me to live is Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. And for me to die is gain. To be absent in this body is to be present with the Father. There is no downside in the life of a Christ follower. I'm going to try it on this side. There is no downside in the life of a Christ follower. We live so below, below our pay grade. We live so below what God's called us to do. We walk around, well, praise God, hallelujah. Lord, just name. Great are you, Lord, mighty to save. No, he is. The God that you serve is not some flannel board Jesus sitting in a Sunday school classroom. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, that which is and is to come and forevermore shall be. And the angels of this world cry, holy, holy, holy. And the demons of this world tremble at the very name of the Jesus Christ that you serve that's in your heart. Wow. Man. Thank you. I'm serious, and I want you to get that because here's the deal is, so many times we walk around and we're downtrodden and we're defeated. Understand the God that you serve, even the evil in this world, he still is powerful over all of it. He goes on to say, he doesn't stop there. Again, I know it's a little bit redundant, but let's look at verse 17. The Bible says in verse 17, he is before all things. Again, that word all keeps coming up. 
And in him, all things hold together. All things hold together. He is the sustainer. He is the sustainer. Hebrews 1.3 says that he upholds the universe by the power, excuse me, by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. All things are held together and work and are sustained by him. I want you to catch this. The Bible says that the world that you and I and the universe that we live in came into existence by the power of God's spoken word. The universe that you and I live in and we exist in is sustained and held together by the power of God's spoken word through Jesus Christ. And the power of God's spoken word was put together in 66 books called the Bible that some of you had to this morning pull and try to scrounge around and find it and blow the dust off of it this week because you haven't read it all week. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating. Just don't hate, congratulate. But I'm just talking about where we live. And, but the power of this book is that this is God's spoken word. And the Bible says that the universe that we live in is held together by this. That's why you should bring this. That's why you should cherish this. That's why you should read this. Well, I thought it was held together by some like physical, you know, physics and this and that and astrological constellation. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. It says held together by the power of his word. What's his word right here? This is his word to us. This is infallible, which means it will never fail. It's inspired, which means it was God-inspired men to write this, but these are the words of God, and it's inerrant. It has no error to it. Now, you may go, well, I've talked to some scholars, and they say, well, you could talk to a lot of people, right? Everybody's got opinions. They're kind of like armpits. they got a couple, and they usually stink. I mean, we all got that. <laughs> what does it take to be a critic? Nothing, but I have an opinion. And I don't care if you got PhD or DDD or whatever you got behind your name. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. This is what it says. And it says that he is a sustainer of all things. The God that you and I serve, he's a sustainer. That he holds the universe together by the power of his word. That's the reason why when Jesus Christ spoke, things happen. That's the reason why when we read the word, things happen. That's the reason why that the word will never return back empty. That's the reason why we don't think, care about what I think or what the church thinks or denomination thinks. We want to know what does the Bible say? Because this is the authority. This is the, this is the book. This is a standard. This is what we live by. Amen. And so he's a sustainer. But he also says that he holds all things together. Do you know what that phrase means? There's a lot of word pictures in the Greek, but here's what it basically means. It means to hold together. It means he will prevent something from falling into chaos. Mm. He will prevent something from falling into chaos. You see, you have to understand, God is a God of order. Everything he does has order. Everything he does has purpose. He will not waste your time, your energy, your effort. The enemy of your soul and my soul is the author of confusion, the Bible says. And he works through confusion. And he works through disorder. And wherever there's disorder, wherever there's disunity, wherever there is this, this break, wherever there is confusion, that's where the enemy is. That's not God. But God works through order. God works through peace. God works through, 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 through this divine clarity that he gives us. And his word says that Jesus Christ will hold all things together. That he will prevent the things in your life as a Christ follower. If he's in you and you're in him, he will prevent things from falling into chaos. Let's talk about that. He'll, that doesn't mean that you're not going to go through rough times. That doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to come in like a flood. That doesn't mean that you're never going to have difficult times. And Jesus, contrary to the song, is not a bridge over troubled waters. But he's a navigator through those troubled waters. 
And in the middle of the storm, he'll help you keep your mind. In the middle of the chaos, he will help you keep it together. In the middle of the midnight, he will be your strength and your joy. And he will sustain you. And he will work with you. And he will walk with you. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because God is with you. That's powerful. Because we're all going to go through junk. You know that. The Bible says it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. And vice versa. But he will go with you. And he will not let your marriage fall into chaos. He will not let your children fall into chaos. He will not let your future fall into chaos. He will not let your employment fall into chaos. He will sustain you. He will keep you. How's he going to do it? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm just like you. I'm one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. But I'm simply telling you, when the Bible says he is before all things and in things, all things are held together. He's a sustainer, not only of this world, but of your life. That's the power of being a Christ follower. That's the power of following Jesus. That's why we do this. It's more than, more, than, more than fire insurance to save our rear ends out of hell. It's about living a life to say, he's going to sustain me. He's going to keep me. And maybe that's what you need from him today. Maybe all hell's breaking loose in your world. I'm here to tell you, declare this over your life, the spoken word, the power of the word. This universe is held together by it. And if he can hold the universe together, it can hold you together. That he will hold all things together. He will keep these things in your life going from going into chaos. I love when Jesus Christ sends the disciples on over to the sea. And the Bible says that a storm started brewing. And Jesus comes out, he's walking on the waves. He's walking on the turbulence. I'm telling you, there are some great rocky moments in the Bible. There are just some great like rocky Balboa moments. Maybe it done that way to you. I'm a kid of the 80s. I'm all about rocky. And, and, and there's just some great moments where Jesus just shows up. And I can hear the eye of the tiger, you know, tick a tick a tick a tick a I mean, I mean, it's just going. And Jesus shows up and he just, peace be still. And man, the winds and the waves, they obey. Why? Because the power of his spoken word will not allow your life to fall into chaos. All hell can be breaking loose around you, but you can keep your head. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb, which is what Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross, and the word of my testimony. We keep coming back to that word, the power of the spoken word, because that's what his word says. The Old Testament says, whose report are you going to believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. There's always a report. There's always somebody to tell you that the sky is falling. Have you not figured that out? Chicken Littles are on every single media outlet that you can buy. Come on, I was watching some Chicken Littles this morning on TV before I came in. They were telling me how bad it's going to be and how whatever. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. He will sustain you. Let's go on. Verse 18. The beginning of verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body of the church. So he is the source. He is the source. Not he is source, is what it says on the screen, but he is the source. That word head means, it's like the head of a river. It's the fountain. It's, 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 it's the spring. It's where it comes from. It's where everything comes from. And, I want, and I've, I'm just going to tell you, he's the head of the church. He's the head of life church. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about the Aaron Cole show. There will, become, there will come a day where Tammy and I will walk hand in hand. We'll walk out that door and we'll never walk back in again. Not because we're mad, but because God's done with us here. Maybe we'll retire, go to Boca Raton. Hallelujah. I don't know. But pastors can come and go, but Jesus is the head of the church. The board is not the head of the church. 
Well, I gotta tell the board what I think. Maybe they can get there. Maybe they can get pastor in his stubborn ways. Get it through his head. No, they're not the head of the church. The staff is not the head of the church. Staff members, we love them. They're wonderful. These guys and gals do an awesome job. But listen, staff members will come and go. Worship leaders will come and go. Youth pastors will come and go. Kids pastors will come and go. Your favorite associate, I'm sorry to tell you, will come and go. And you'll get mad, but you can get glad in the same shoes you got mad in because they're not the source of the church. Are you ready for this one? I'm fixing to land the plane on this one. I'm going to land it. The people are not the source of the church. Well, bless God, my tithe. I bet you missed my tithe. You're not the source of the church. Your tithe is not the source of the church. You are not the source of the church. Your favorite best friend family may move away to another city and be transferred by a job. Somebody may get mad and get upset. Imagine that, get upset with me. I'm not controversial. I can never imagine that. Anyhow, and leave, whatever it may be. But the church will remain. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the source. That's good. That's good. I don't want to be the head of this thing. I don't, no, 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 no. I'm an under-shepherd. I do and I see the Father doing. And I lead and I steward, but it's His. Many times before I walk on this platform in that back room, I kneel down and I just say, God, I want to remind you, this is all yours. When we face times of financial uncertainty of a church and, 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 and we have a lean month, I just say, God, I want to remind you, this is, these bills are yours. We're doing everything we can to steward this. We're doing everything we can to manage costs, but it's yours. Missions, this is yours. There's been many times I've sat in my truck on this parking lot and just told God, I just want to remind you, this is yours, it's not mine. You wanted us to be at this location, and we're doing everything we can to steward this. This capital campaign is yours. This building, whatever it's going to look like, is yours. You, if you need to get through the, through the city leaders, it's yours. This is yours. You're the source. I'm just simply doing what I see the Father doing. Can I tell you, that's the secret of our success. Because if we lift high the name of Jesus, he will draw all men unto him. Why? He's a sustainer. He's a creator. He's God. Why don't we fret? Why don't we fear? Why don't we worry? Bless God. Let's just go have fried chicken and potato salad and don't worry about it. Amen? I'm getting hungry. Okay, let's move on. Verse, the, the second part of verse 18. Let's keep reading in verse 18. It says, and he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead. I want you to catch this. He's the resurrection. He is the resurrection. He told that to Mary and Martha when he came after Lazarus, his friend, had died. Jesus said these words, I am, here you go back to the I am, the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yet shall he live. He is the only one to ever overcome death, hell, and the grave. He is the only person who's ever walked this planet that has gone and died, body cold, rigor mortis, set in, entombed in, 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 in a tomb, and, and, and sealed by, by the Roman seal, only to break it in three days, just like he said, and make it out alive. He's the resurrection. The God that we serve is resurrection. You, you wanted to find false gods from real God? Who, can, who could do it all? I mean, that, that's the feat, right? Nobody can escape death. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says, overcame death, hell, and the grave. That's the reason why we have hope of eternal life in him. If he couldn't do that, we wouldn't have this hope of eternal life. He's like the guide that got out. It's like being dropped in the middle of some jungle in the Amazon, and you have a guide, and they say, look, I've gotten out of this before. Let me show you how to do this. I'm just going to tell you right now. I've been in some precarious situations before. I don't want a guy that says, I think I can. 
I don't need someone to tell me. I think I know the way. Let's just put it like where we all live. I don't need a retirement person, like a, a financial planner, to tell me, I think I may be able to help you. No, 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 no. Think doesn't help me. Not when I'm 65 and I need to live in Boca Raton. I need to know that you can help me. I need to know that what you're telling me is going to be it. I want to see it. I want to know, can you navigate through this? And Jesus Christ did. He's the only one. The Bible says he was tempted and tried in every manner in which you and I are. Yet he, he, he navigated this life without sin. Not only did he do that, he took on death, hell, and the grave. And he survived. He lived. He died. And he rose again. Now here's a cool part. It says he's the firstborn. Again, it's, back, it's, it's another redundant, redundancy. But it's, it's, it's a connection back to verse 15. Again, we're not talking about his created self. We're talking about Jesus Christ and the order in which things happen. And the fact that, we, that Paul says he's the firstborn among the dead means he's the first one to do it, but not the last. Do you understand what I'm saying? He, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That means this, folks. He is our guide. He, that's why we call ourselves Christians, Christ followers. We are walking the way that Jesus walked because we can successfully guide this life because he's done it. And when we face death, and we all will, the Bible says there's a point unto man once to die and then the judgment, we will be able to successfully navigate through death so that we, even though we die, we will not die and go to hell, but that we will live again with him in eternity in a place where there's no more sorrow, there's no more partying, there's no more sin, there's no more struggle, there's no more shame, there's no more of the junk that we deal with day in and day out, and that forever we will live with him. Why? Because he's the firstborn among the dead. That means you and I, if we follow him, we will be resurrected. The, the, the Bible says that there's coming a day when, when, when the trump of the Lord will sound and time will be no more and Jesus Christ will part the, the, the eastern sky. The Bible says that there's a man in the cloud with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand and he will come and harvest the earth, Romans says. And on that day, the Bible says that when the trump of the Lord sound and time is no more, that those who are dead in Christ will rise first. That means this, this earth will give up its dead. I'm telling you what a powerful moment that will be. Mm, if I had a Hammond B organ and a black choir, we'd be having some church up in here. And then we who are alive that remain will be caught up together with him and forevermore shall we be with him. Why? Because he's the firstborn, not the only. He's the firstborn. He's the first one to do it, but we will follow him. And so when Jesus is on the resurrection, hey, death has no hold on you. Death has no hold. The biggest fear that we have in humanity is that we're going to die and, and, and our finiteness and all of this. And we, we try by doctors and by medical science and research and all these things to stay alive, stay alive, stay alive. We eat stuff that we should not have to eat. You know what I'm saying? All that healthy food, right? So that we can stay alive, stay alive, stay alive. We're eating so much tuna that it's almost on the endangered species list. Did you know that? I think we need to go back to just some good old slab of red meat. I'm just eating. But I, I, the deal is, is he's the resurrection. It goes on to say in verse 19, 18c through verse 19 this, that, he's the, that so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. He's all and all. 
He's the totality and totality. He's the all and the all. That word fullness means the sum total of all divine power and attributes. It's found in Jesus. This life, this power, this creator, this sustainer, this source, this resurrection, it's found in one person, that's Jesus Christ. It's not found above him, it's not found around him, it's not found below him, it's found in him. And when you and I ask Jesus Christ, the sum total of all the power and the attributes of God, to come into our heart and into our life, just like the Bible says, then Jesus Christ comes in and the Bible says he dwells. He takes up residency with us. Not temporary residency, but permanent residency. And he comes into our life and he changes from the inside out. That's how you can overcome. Because you can't do it in yourself. You can't overcome sin in yourself. You can't overcome your struggles in yourself. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But the power, the fullness, the sum total, the divine power of his attributes come into me when I ask him to come into my heart and my life and he lives a life through me he walks it out through me he becomes the righteousness of God through me I cannot do it in myself I'm not good enough in myself but through him I can do all things that's powerful again it's another one of those I got the power moments because it's all right there and here's here's the key to this it's found in him listen to me you can go to church all day long and you're not gonna become a Christian Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. No more than going to Taco Bell makes you a grande burrito. It does not work. Well, I thought if I just... No, 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 no. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, what this Bible says about Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Period. And the fullness of God that's encapsulated in the person of Jesus Christ, the sum total of all his power and his attributes, will come into your heart and into your life, and he will live the life through you. He will sustain you. He will resurrect you. He will be your source. He will be your creator. He will be God through you. Not that you're God, but that he is. That's the reason why you can hang around Christians all day long, and it may not change you. You can hang around church all day long, and it won't change you. You can hang around Jesus. A lot of people hung around Jesus, but only those who called on the name of the Lord, only those that accepted him, only those that asked him to come in were saved and changed. Paul goes on to say, in verse 22, excuse me, in verse 20 through 23, let's read this and we wrap this up. And through him to reconcile himself to all things. Again, there's that word all. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in his sight without blemish. And free from accusation, verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that's held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you've heard that's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become become a servant. He is Savior. Verse 21 says you're lost. Verse 22 says you can be found. Not in and of yourself, but through him. When you ask the all in all and his fullness of his sum total of his divine power and attributes to come into your heart and your life. And verse 23 says, if you will stand firm in the decision that you've made, that you will see God. Why is he good? Why is he all? Why is he God? Why is he creator? Why is he the sustainer? Why is he the source? Why is is he the resurrection? Because he wants to be your savior. That's it. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your title. He doesn't want your affluence or your influence. He wants to set you free. He wants to be your all. He is whatever you need. He is. He is. 
I want you to hear that. He is. If you need him to be peace in the middle of a storm today, that's what he is. If you need him to be joy in the middle of your sorrow, that's what he is. If you need him to be life and death, that's what he is. If you need him to be your provision and your provider, that's what he is. If you need him to be your mediator and your sustainer, that's what he is. If you need him, whatever you need of him today, he is. He is. He's God. There's none beside him. There's none below him. There's none around him. He is. And that's the God that you serve or that you can't serve. Because there's people here today that you're far away from God. And you need him to be your savior. Or you've got other problems. You're in deep weeds. There's all kinds of issues. That's okay. He'll figure that out. But first and foremost, you just need to admit the fact that you're a sinner and need to be a savior and that he's a savior. That you're lost and you need a guide that will navigate you, not just through this world, but through eternity. He is. That you need hope. He is. That you need life to replace the death. He is. I don't know where you're hurting today. I just want you to know, I know it sounds simple. I know it sounds redundant. But Jesus Christ is whatever you need him to be. Father, I just thank you today that you are whatever we need you to be. And in this room, God, I just pray in these next few moments that you would just show up. God, for those people that are far away from you, I just pray, Lord, that you, God, as you've been softening their heart through this word, God, I just pray, God, that you would just make yourself real to them in these next few moments. I pray, God, those that are struggling, they're Christ followers, but they're just struggling. I just pray, God, that you would help them to just to trust in you and allow you to work through them and you to live this life through them and for them to understand that it's not them, it's you through them that makes a difference, that none of us are perfect, none of us are righteous, but by the grace of God. And Lord, in a few minutes when we take communion together and when we remember, God, let us remember that he is in Jesus' name. the world just fade away let me feel your presence in this place lord i've never been so weary how i need to know you're near me father let the world just fade away till i'm on my knees till my heart can see Stay